Hello and welcome. Thank you for listening to Raking Coals. This is a podcast of the E43 Collective, and we encourage each and every person who listens to this to check out e43collective.com. That's e43collective.com, where you can find out more about our other podcast, The After Sunday Discussion, read our blog post, and contribute into the conversation. This is a podcast where we talk about various different issues in the church and try to bring a sense of unity to the global church. Also, please be sure to check out our Facebook page, E43 Collective, or on iTunes. Leave us a review and share your comments so that we can get some feedback for you. The more reviews we get, the better the word can spread about the E43 Collective, Raking Coals, the After Sunday Discussion, and everything that we are doing. Here in the 14th episode of Raking Coals, Josh and myself, Cody, had a conversation about what's the deal with millennials and the church. We had a lot of fun talking about these issues, and hopefully as being millennials ourselves who have a deep concern and deep passion for the church and Christianity, this can be an enlightening conversation for all those who listen in. Thank you so much for your time, and we hope that you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in to episode 14 of Raking Coals. I am one of your hosts, Cody Haggard, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, Josh Fauzi. Hello. Josh, how are you doing? I am well. A lot better than I was last week. If you guys listened to last week's episode, you could tell I was sick, and it was terrible. Yeah, Josh wasn't feeling well. I actually thought last week we talked about something that's really important and and it really did pick up towards the end there. So, yeah. you know, we apologize. We try to make these as engaging as possible. But if you dropped out because it wasn't as exciting in the first half, I promise you, you listen to the latter half. We get into some really good conversation. Uh, but, Josh, you had something you wanted to clarify um, about last week's podcast. Or not clarify, but just add to yeah. churches dealing with trouble and struggles and scandals and things like that. Yeah, I, th- I think the one of the biggest things that us as Christians need to do when we find ourselves in situations or our churches in situations is, I mean, just own it, come out in front of it and just say, Hey, this is what's going on. Be more transparent. It's where the scandal starts is when there people are trying to hide things. Yeah. And one thing I'll say is that, I don't always think that the world is becoming a better place. There's things that happen that just concern me, and where cultural trends go sometimes, it concerns me. But one thing I can definitely say about the modern era is that in general, I think people are more willing to forgive, especially when people come out in front of their mistakes, and they're honest about it, and they recognize that they made a mistake. Mm -hmm. At least that's my experience. What do you think? I think so. I mean, it's just, it's interesting because when you look at just the news recently and everything that's going on, it's, people are a lot, they go a lot easier on, on the individuals that come out and just say, hey, I messed up. And this is what happened. Yeah. And when you have people who either try to hide it or they try to deny it, that's when people get really, really, really mad. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I, I think we live in a time where people are decently rational and are like, you know, we all make mistakes. We all fail. And admitting failure also shows that you seek to get better. When you hide failure or you try to cover it up, it, it points the finger the other direction. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, no, you guys have an issue because you're calling me out on this. Or, right. I just think it sends a bad message. Mm-hmm. I think owning up to failure and mistakes is a hugely important thing. Right. Yeah. And, it, and it, it goes back to the whole issue of integrity. And it's like when when you make a mistake, I mean, as we're supposed to be individuals that just say, hey, this is what happened. And we're supposed to ask for forgiveness and to repent. And that's 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 what we're called to do as Christians and as followers of Christ. And if the church doesn't do that, then what difference are we from everybody else? Yep. So. Yeah, anyway. and, and talking about modern culture and modern trends, it transitions into what we're talking about today. Yes. And today we are talking about millennials and the church. And so for those of you who don't know this already, both Josh and myself are both millennials. And so Josh, for people who might not know, what are we defining a millennial as in this podcast? Uh, so a millennial is... Someone, I'm trying to remember exactly what the, so it's really hard to nail down exactly how old millennials are because yeah. there's different age ranges. Um, the one study that we're I, I want to reference um, puts, in 2015, the millennials were 22 to 37. Yep. Okay. Um, I've heard millennials, like the most popular range is anyone born between... Was it nine, 1985 and 2001? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like, like 9-11 was the cutoff. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I see a lot of the cutoff being is 1985 to 9-11. That's what I see most of it. But another thing that we've kind of seen, and you see this practically, and you see this in information as well, that, so for example, my, my brother who's older than me was born in 1985. And I can say that people who are his age are quite a bit different than people who are my age, which I was born in 91. And then I would say people who are Josh and I's age are very different than people who were born in 1999. Mm-hmm. And so, and I think part of, part of that has to do with the fact that technology is just rapidly growing and increasing and communication is, is growing and increasing. And I think what defines a person a lot is what's going on in society while you're in your later high school years and in your college years. And I think, too, what makes a certain segment of millennials quite a bit different is that this nation went through a pretty polarizing election, especially um, for those who were in college during that election. It was Mm -hmm. a very interesting time. I was not. I was graduated Mm -hmm. and... I believe it was kind of those uh, those individuals who were on the tail end of, of being a millennial, so late 90s born uh, in the 2016 election. So anyway, uh, Josh, you've got some information over there. You've got a lot of statistics. We've got things we want to talk about, and this isn't necessarily going to be organized as a point-by-point discussion, but we're just going to be talking about some statistics that we found, uh, some information that we have found about millennials, and also talking about personal experience as 
as millennials in the church. And for those of you who don't know, both Josh and I have grown up going to church for a majority of our lives. We're still involved in the church. We still go to church, and we still minister within the church. And and we're committed to it. We're dedicated to it. But I have seen in my own life many of my peers, uh, friends from youth group, friends growing up, many, many, many have walked away. Mm-hmm. And and it's something that we're seeing. And, and Josh, I think you've seen the same thing, too. Yes, yes. I think it's interesting because when, when you talk about millennials and our generation, it's very much, it's either they are the key to everything or they're the problem for everything. Like, it's such a polarized perspective on our generation that I don't, granted, I'm not, I mean, I'm a millennial. That's that's my reference point. I don't know how it was for the Gen Xers and the baby boomers and everybody before us. And it probably was exactly the same. Yeah. But it, it's just interesting because um, if you if you look into millennials in the church and you do any research on the internet, there's a lot of resources on attracting millennials. Yeah. To the church. Oh yeah. Um, and it's it's really interesting because the. The one study that I found, and it was, I, I trust the group. They they do it's it's the Barna group. Um, yeah. But something I like about them is that they put up their standard deviation, their R coefficients. They tell you their methodology of how they did their studies and what their sample sizes were, and you can do your own statistical analysis if you want to take the time and do yeah. That. But. Um, they, they put out a study in 2015, so it's pretty recent, um, but it, it said that of millennials, 22 to 37 um, years of age, who were part of the church, 59% have already left or yes, dropped out crazy. at one point. So you're talking about, and, and the, the crazy thing, thinking about it, it's kind of accurate. I mean, thinking back to the people that we know, yeah, and the people I know and grew up with, it's it, it the, four out of ten staying in the church and not dropping out at a single point doesn't surprise me. No, that doesn't surprise me at all. And and something that I can say too is being a guy who's who's been in pastoral ministry, that's kind of the time in in which you know I was just kind of starting out in pastoral ministry. I started in 2013. And it made it really hard because being a guy who's a pastor in a church and then virtually it was kind of my wife and I and one or two other individuals in the church and we represented the millennial generation. And then there was us and then people in their 40s and later. And it was a really strange dynamic because there was only a few of us Mm -hmm. and it makes it tough especially when you are are a young pastor, a young millennial and you're not even you don't even really have peers because it makes it really tough to grow the church because you would think people are going to flock towards someone who's their peer when you're in pastoral ministry and I know the statistics of those who are in a senior pastorship and I wasn't at the time I was just a, an associate but those who are a senior pastor typically your congregation's average demographic is in between the ages uh, like I believe they say five years younger, five years older. So this 10-year span. So if your pastor's 30, you're going to have a congregation that's in between the ages of 25 and 35 and have no money. (laughs) Just saying that as a joke. Just saying that as a joke. But 
but there's there's a lot of information that's directly related towards a pastor's age and the age of congregation. And I think we are also seeing uh, guys riding out pastoral ministry for for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe not a little bit longer, but maybe you're not seeing as many millennials jump into ministry. Yeah. I mean, but at the same time, like, I've gone to a couple churches and checked out their young adult ministries, and from for the most part, it's it's sparse, it's yeah. small, um, and millennials are not not in church. It, it's funny because it's a the in the study they said three out of ten millennials say church isn't important at all, and this these are these are millennials that were part of the church. yeah that were part of the <laughs> church which is important because a lot of this information that w- we found on the Barna group are is, is directly referred to people who grew up as millennials in the church mm-hmm. um a couple other stats is of the people who said that church was not important 39 percent say that it's because they uh they can find god elsewhere what do you think that means? What do you think that means uh, when somebody says that? What do you think they're they're talking about? Because I have an idea of what I think it means, but what do you think it means? So the way I read it is they they don't have to go to church to commune with God. I also think because I mean, with technology, we've had the increase of you don't actually have to go to church to listen to a sermon to watch a sermon. Correct. You don't have to. You can you can stay at your house. And you can have a worship service and the sermon from different churches projected on your TV. Yeah. And you never have to leave. Yeah. I mean, and that's... And I don't think it's a bad thing for people to utilize those resources to learn. Right. However, the question is, is is it worship? And it's definitely not gathering with the body. Right. I mean, you have your family, but there's still something that, that to, even to me as like a, someone who loves technology and we have a podcast, right? We're right. on the internet. We have a podcast. It still right. feels weird to me that people are okay not going to church. But that's something that I've seen with a lot of my friends where it's they, they'd rather do home church with, by themselves or with their spouse where they just they put the sermon on and they, they just watch it from their couch. Yeah, and just to kind of throw this in there, we we are going to begin getting some of our friends and, and people we know of various different ministry experiences, church experiences on this podcast, and we are going to try and get somebody to come on this podcast who who who's done that and kind of talk about that experience because it's something that I myself have never really done. Mm-hmm. And I like it's it's very convenient when you're out of town or you're on like a work work trip or something. Because I did that when I, I, I my, old, my last job sent me to Chicago for two weeks. Right. And Sunday morning after my shift, went back to the hotel room and put, like, listened to the sermon from church that morning. Yeah. And it was convenient because I didn't miss out on the series. I got to listen to my pastor talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, like, when I came back, I was, I knew where we were. I knew what was said the week before. I, I had that continuity um yeah and it's it's convenient yeah um I, I know for me what i like to do too is after a sunday sermon because 
it doesn't take much time. I actually like to listen to the sermon back again on the podcast in 1.5 speed because you've already heard it once. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of a refresher. Mm-hmm. And in Apple Podcasts, you can speed it up to 1.5 and get through the message in in a pretty fast pace. Right. It's pretty it's pretty good to remind yourself. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing is that there's benefit to it. Um, and it's a tool, but if you don't, I, I'm not actually, no, I'm not going to make that point because that I don't want to, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I think it is important for us to at least emphasize that I think there is a theological basis. There is a, there is a call for Christians to gather together and and I think to deprive yourself of that, unless it's absolutely necessary, is only hurtful for your own walk with Christ. And, and you have to come to that conclusion on your own. Uh, it's it's just Josh and I are here processing through some stuff, sharing some information, and and something I'll throw out there too is is anyone who's listening to this, if you are a millennial. Take this information, process through it, think about it. If you have anything to add, personal experiences, please contact us. We have a Facebook page. We've got a website. Um, please do that. Uh, also, just just those who aren't millennials, don't drop out. Don't drop out. Take the opportunity to learn a little bit about millennials. And because Josh and I are of this generation, we have an understanding of our own generation. We spend a lot of time with our own generation, and and we can kind of speak some information about these statistics. Because the reality is, is I'm a millennial, and I know everybody's talking about millennials, and so does every other millennial. And even though it's probably been the same for every generation, we live in a time where information's just flying around faster than it ever has. So we hear it more, and and uh, and you know these these are things that we want to process through. We want to have the opportunity to, to engage in this conversation and talk and and hopefully find ourselves in a point of where millennials will find hope in the church again. Because from this information, I'm gathering just an opinion that it's not as important as it was for our parents. Yeah, and that kind of goes into the next stat is um, 35% of the people who said church is not important said it's because church is not personally relevant not personally relevant mm-hmm. which i think to me what was that number again 35% 35% that's a little bit more than one in every 3 and for someone to say that one in every 3 i think is not just a reflection of that own person's problem. I think that means that there is a church problem. And I I think some things that attribute to that is when you become so focused on your programs, you've lost sight of being focused on your people. Because the truth is that programs in and of themselves are are good things, but you got to understand your people to grow a church. I mean, it's just... Any good pastor of any good church is going to tell you that you gotta you gotta know your people if you want your church to to stay alive. Yeah. And what do you, what do you think attributes to that? Why do you think people are thinking that church isn't personally relevant or personally important? Well, it's interesting because like some of the other stats I was looking at, most millennials 
see the sermons and the things that are being taught as being important to them. Yeah. But church isn't important. And that kind of, to me, that kind of points towards a disconnect of community. Mm -hmm. I mean, I... I will admit it. It's I've I mean when you go to church and you there might be three or four, maybe five other people who are your age. Mm-hmm. It's and and if your personality does don't mesh with them or you don't get along with them because of that, it's just like it's you can feel very alone. And I mean, Cody, agree tell me if you agree with this statement. Our generation gets hammered with stereotypes. Oh yeah, being lazy and being naive and being um, I'm trying to think of the best way of putting it. Being a waste of space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I get I, mean, I get those impressions, and I told you this before we recorded. I I I said that. Very few churches. I, I've been in. I have not been in too many situations where I get the impression that the church, from a, a leadership perspective, from a congregational expect, uh, um, from a congregational perspective, has an open understanding, hope, optimism, and excitement about the millennial generation. If anything is communicated, which oftentimes something is communicated, it's pessimistic. Mm-hmm. And I do, I do see it happening a lot in churches. I've had people complain to me about our generation. Oh yeah, and it's very demoralizing when you have men at a men's ministry meeting just sitting there and saying, "Well, all millennials are lazy. They don't know what they're talking about. They're entitled. They're spoiled." Um, and to be honest, there are many of us. Who are like that. Yes. Okay. Like in every generation. Mm-hmm. But in my experience, the majority of us are trying to just figure out life out and work our tails off. <laughs> yeah. And and kind of going along with, with what you said about millennials being spoiled, I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with the fact that millennials are spoiled. They're probably the most spoiled generation. And Generation Z will probably be more spoiled than us. Uh, it just I think that's just going to be how it goes. Technology is going to allow us to do more. It's going to become more and more accessible as time goes by. Very, very impressive things are going to become more affordable in the norm. It's just it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this to you that I think part of millennials being spoiled and being overly optimistic and thinking they can do these crazy things has also been a huge reason why platforms like Facebook and YouTube and Twitter and all these things have exploded because the millennial generation has found a way to utilize it for careers, for um, for creative ways of expression, and it's it's mostly millennials driving the content on these platforms. Now, I think there's a lot of negativity from from millennials on these platforms, but I think there's a lot of magnificence as well. And I think it's because of that, a little bit of that spoiledness and a little bit of like, oh, hey, yeah, I could totally make it, making videos for the rest of my life, right? Like something I don't think previous generations would have readily embraced, right? If you wanted to be an actor or an actress, 
it, that's just like, oh, what? that's so far-fetched. Nobody actually makes it in that. You're, you got to be one in a million. Where now it's like, okay, I actually want to be a creative person for a career. And there's a lot of options there. There's a lot of things you can do. And I actually think it's not unreasonable to say like, hey, if you put the work in, I actually really do think you can make it. Yeah, and that's the thing is that you there's a lot of work that goes into that. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of, I mean, you have to be good at it. You, you can't be mediocre and Correct. make it Correct. in the virtual market that's going on right now. Right. If you are mediocre, you just get lost in the crowd. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to have something that's either unique or just phenomenal to get noticed. Yeah. And, and I think another thing, too, that, that makes it in these platforms is, is genuine and authentic. I think people value things that they can relate to, that they find to be genuine and authentic. And I don't know if the church is giving that message to millennials. I think there's some churches that are probably doing a good job of it. I think there's some churches that probably aren't doing a good job of it. But I would say overall, the perspective of of church and millennials is probably more on the side of it's just not authentic. It's... It's kind of, you know, the contemporary worship thing is kind of seen, I think, as corny a little mm-hmm. bit by millennials. It's like, man, it just feels like you're trying too hard, man. You're trying to get on on stage and perform rock music on a Sunday morning at church. And, you know, I've studied worship a little bit. And it just, I, 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 don't, know if, I don't know if I'm buying what you're selling. And, yeah, there, I, I told you the, the quote from, so yeah. one of the researchers through the interviews made this comment. He said, millennials are not disillusioned with tradition. They are frustrated with slick and shallow expressions of religion. Yeah. And, I mean, I honestly, I relate to that. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't want to go to church and just go through the motions. Yeah. And I don't like going to churches that just go through the motions. Right. I mean, church... The church is God's ambassadors here on earth, and we have a mission, and we're supposed to be working towards that mission and working towards that objection, uh, not objection, objective of reaching other people, discipling other people, and, and bringing Christ and everything that comes along with him to the lost. And when I go to church and I see that, they're just going through the motions. They come to church on Sunday. They sing the songs. They read the verses. They listen to the sermon. They give the offering, and then they leave, and that's it. And they're not trying to do something in their community. They're not trying to reach the people that are around them. They they might do one or two events every year to to kind of pat themselves on the back and say, "Hey, we did this." Um, but there's really no follow up, and there's no action. Like they're not actively continuously trying to reach the same group yeah it's it, it just seems um what's the word fake <laughs> yeah yeah i tried to put that nicely but that's the only word that yeah I and i think that that's that's something where you're seeing you're seeing a lot a lot of what worked in the emergent church movement just totally failing totally failing now and 
the the question is is what do we do about it and and my honest answer is i don't have a perfect answer i don't have a perfect answer i don't think anybody does but what i do know i know that millennials still have a a high view of the bible we talked about this in a previous podcast Mm -hmm. they have a high view of the bible and, and a high view of the person of jesus christ whether or not they believe he is the son of god or not i've seen an increase in popularity because of a because of a certain individual who's extremely popular who talks highly about jesus who doesn't necessarily identify as a christian um there is a admiration for the person of Jesus. And I think the church needs to really understand that and embrace that and be like, okay, so people aren't necessarily opposed to talking about religion or talking about God or talking about Jesus. So how do we create an atmosphere in which we do that? Because I think that's what that's what I think millennials want. They want an atmosphere where, hey, we can communicate. I want to be able to show up somewhere and I can talk and I can share my crazy ideas and even though they might be really, really dumb, I just want—I just want to talk about it. I want to talk with people, and that's the impression that I get about millennials. And I don't know a lot of churches that are doing that. And I can say from my perspective, as as someone who's a church leader, I don't even really know how to perfectly execute that type of environment. But I think we got to try something. Right. Oh yeah. No. I mean, it—it's just. The three things that I think are the most important things for churches to focus on when it comes to our generation is our generation wants community. We want to be around other people. We want to be around people who are the same ages as we are, who've had the same experiences we have, we've had, or who have had different experiences, but we can learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, but those people have to be authentic. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they have to authentically be wanting to follow Christ, and they don't want to go through the motions. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we want—I mean, we just want—we want guidance. Yep. We want discipleship. We want mentoring. We want—we want to—we want to learn together as a group. Yeah. Um, and it's just—it's interesting because, I mean, you look at churches, and it's—it's it's, you go to a men's group or a women's group, and if you're a millennial. Most likely, you're the only one there. You're the you're the only millennial there, and the the person who's nearest to you in age is probably 15 to 20 years older than you are. Probably, who's probably your like a friend of your parents. Yeah, yeah, and and these are these are things. I'm not. I hope people aren't thinking we're bashing the no. church or anything like no, that. No, no, no. If anyone thinks that, this is us. I care about the church Mm -hmm. i care about christianity and i just want to start i just want to start doing whatever i can if if it's you and i josh on this podcast just talking crazy things and if it helps the church in some way shape or form that's that's what it's gonna take but i think you know pastors church leaders not not even just pastors not even just church leaders if you're listening to this you go to a church and you know a millennial sit down sit down and talk to him be like hey what do you think about the church? Don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Right. Don't tell me what you think I want to hear. Because to be honest, I just want to hear the truth. That's how we need to talk. That's how we need to talk to each other. Not just millennials, not just Generation Z, not just Generation X, not just boomers. We need to talk to each other. We need to communicate. Like, what do you think about the church? And if they say something they have an issue with, 
Don't be offended. Don't dismiss it. Because you know what also happens, right? What what happens is we live in a time where people are just way too overly offended. And millennials are called out all the time about how easily offended they are. But also another thing that I see is that when millennials point out real issues, the immediate reaction of people who are older and their superiors is offense. It's it's not ex- expressed necessarily the same way, but but it's it's seen as as offense, and you can't that that can't be the way the world works. It can't just be oh this person offended me, so I'll offend them, so then you know I'll offend back, and just this game of bad verbal communication. Um, but but I do think it it is important to to listen. If you have millennials in your church, you need to talk to them. Because the reality is they don't want to be a small minority group in in your church and in your environment. And there's a good chance that we've brought our friends and we've tried to talk to our friends about it. But they either feel disengaged or it's just like, I've tried this before. And so talk to, talk to the millennials in your church. Get their opinion. Get their feedback. Value it. Because... Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, we also have to raise up leaders. I mean, <laughs> you can't just just think that uh, that's that's not our responsibility. Yeah, and, and just because someone's grown up in the church, yeah, and they know they've been around, doesn't mean that they know exactly where they fit in the church. Mm-hmm. In in reality, it's they probably feel super disenfranchised. Yeah. If if they're around our age. I'm just gonna say that. Because mm-hmm. you have I mean, I've I've dealt with it where it's you 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 bring up something that you know, hey, let's do this. And you you either get just ignored or you get the reason, well, that's not what we do. Yeah. And you're like, oh well can I do that? Yeah. <laughs> But then, if you're doing it, you're doing it by yourself because there's no one else. Yeah. It's just I don't know. I millennials are this weird group. We're this weird group in church. Yeah. Where there's just so much diversity amongst millennials as well. Yeah. It's just I mean, you're talking someone from the. What if you were born in 1985? You're what? 34? No. Uh yeah. 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 34 to 18. Yeah. <laughs> That's a big group. It's a big group. And it, it's interesting because, like, even within church, like, church Bible studies, we don't all fit in the same group. Right. Because oh, you yeah. have, you have the, the, the young, young parents, you have the young married couples, you have the post-college, you have the in college and then you should you still have high school kids yeah <laughs> and it's just i don't know it's i would just think about it this way right like from from the beginning of houses having landlines which was probably what in it probably became the norm in i, I don't know exactly definitely the by the 60s. definitely by the 50s 60s, 60s. most houses had a landline the evolution from the Homes having a landline within their house to like 1985 wasn't much. 
And then in like the late 80s, early 90s, it got really fancy because you could have a cordless phone go right. around your house. From 1990 to 2000, we went from see from just being a kid, right? We went from seeing not really having many mobile phones to everybody having a mobile phone to having a phone. And these things were so smartphones came out when I was a senior in high school, and smartphones can do crazy things, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we can run our whole lives on a smartphone, and. Just seeing how fast that technology moved just just illustrates how there's just this wide variety of difference. Because I think technology and and behavior and what a generation is like are very related. I think technology has a huge impact. And the phone is the easiest thing to track and mm-hmm. look at when it comes to just the massive shift. Yeah. You know, something I just figured out was like GPS. Yeah. Invented in the 80s. Mm-hmm. U.S. military was really the only crew that was using it right okay to what in 30 years having millions of gps units created every year oh my goodness that's <laughs> to crazy the point where, to the point where like everything runs on gps i just found out like banking systems run on gps for their time okay okay and like gps is incorporated into so many different things and it's just one of those things where it's like it's not that old yeah but we're like it's just it's it's changed the world. Yeah, it, it has. And I think some stuff for, as we continue to talk about the church and millennials, some things I've kind of thought through that are at least worth talking about and thinking through. You know, obviously, as churches, we got to hold the Bible in high regard. We got to follow, um, you know, doctrinal beliefs laid out by the Bible. We have to understand it. We have to have theological foundations, and and we have to have those things written up and, and all that. I'm not saying that we throw out traditions or religion or beliefs or fundamental faith stuff, but there are things I think we need to begin thinking about as a church. Uh, first thing I want to throw out there is your presence online is just as important as what you do on on with your Sunday morning service. What do you think about that, Josh? Do you think I am on track there, or do you think it's too far? Your presence online is just as important as, let me say this, your presence online is just as important as how you go about reaching out to people in, in like an outreach program or something oh, like yeah. that. As, as, more, most likely, someone's checking your website, listening to sermons, Looking at everything that you do online before they even walk into your building. Most likely. that I mean, that's a definitely for me. Yeah. I mean, if I were to move today to a new neighborhood, new city, new place, I am not going to go to any church whose online presence I don't respect. I mean, that's just the truth. It doesn't mean that because you don't have a good online presence that you're not a good church. It just means that you need to work on communicating who you are via the internet in order to clearly give a picture of your church in an online basis. Mm -hmm. Because for me, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's ordering a pizza or it's figuring out what movie I'm going to rent or whatever. I'm checking tons of stuff on the internet to find out, is it worth my time? and worth my money you know with consumer goods and with churches you know the question is is this a place where i want to 
bring my my wife and my kids or is it a place where I want to worship and is this a place that I'm willing to serve at right and I think I think communicating that stuff online is super important because that's where people are going to look first especially millennials mm-hmm. especially millennials yeah yeah and and it's not hard to make a good website it's not and you don't need to be a programmer or a computer whiz to do it. I mean, it's and it's not expensive, but it's also do you? I mean, the way I see it is, I love photography. I love yeah. design, and to do it well, you have to take the time into it. And if you're not going to put enough time into doing your website, are you going to put enough time into the other ministries that you're doing? Mm-hmm. Because that is your front page, right? Um, but that's beyond, that's beside the point because it, it, this kind of brings up the one thing that I really wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, was going back to the study and I think we kind of played right into this. Um, it says 20% of millennials that say church is not important, say it's because God is missing from the church. And I think it's we we're so focused on getting people into the front doors. We're so focused of attracting people mm-hmm. and the the business side of church. Yeah. The balance sheet, the building, the programming, okay, the the marketing, all of that stuff that we we focus so much on it and we focus so much on the the show. Yeah. That we we lose God in the details. Yeah, and for for me, it's the thing I really want to see in a church is just a bunch of people who get together to learn about God mm-hmm. together as a group. Yeah, doesn't have to be a big group. No, okay, but people who are striving to follow God and to reach other people. And if you're not yeah. doing that. And you're not walking the if if you're just talking the talk and not walking the walk, I mean, I'm I'm booking it. Right. I don't want to be a part of it. If right. anything, I'm gonna stand in the back. I'm not gonna say anything. Yeah. And I that might ha- that might last for like three, four, five weeks, mm-hmm. and then I'm gonna go find someplace else. Yeah. And see if they do it any. Yeah. Do it any better. Yeah, and I think what you you mentioned here about not feeling God's presence in the church this is in 2015 right this was before election yes and josh and i are going to talk about this on our next podcast talking about what has happened to the word evangelical and how we've gone through a time where i can honestly say i was i was for a long time proud to call myself an evangelical christian because of what evangelicalism stands for and we're going to talk about this on our next podcast but i'm curious what how this information has skewed now that the election has happened and many evangelicals align themselves with with our president and i don't necessarily think that it's a bad thing to vote and stand for your political ideals but i think it was the the message that was sent that we're okay to excuse our president's behavior, who is the leader of our 
society as Christians and excuse that and say like, well, you know, he's just got to lead. And yet the behaviors we're excusing are the exact behaviors we're telling our church not to embrace. And I understand, you know, you vote for who you think is smartest, but I think the allegiance from some evangelical groups to the president was disturbing for a lot of millennials because it it doesn't it doesn't take much searching to to find some clips and things that are like man that's just really disturbing for you know someone to say much less your president and and so I, I'm curious how that affects this information because you know we make we make things like politics and social ideals so important sometimes within our churches that we're we're forgetting about hey this is not what we're supposed to be focusing on we're supposed to pray about this romans 13 gives us a guideline about how we handle government how we handle government's authority but hey our our leader is is jesus and and i think that needs to be our focus and how we talk about certain you know social and political issues need to be informed by our faith and you know sometimes that that means that hey we we can hold this position as a person of faith and say it's okay it's okay that i don't agree that my society is doing this as a person of faith i i i highly value individuals and and their um and their freedom and, and things of this nature uh, and, and I guess specifically, I think of without getting too political, like like immigration, for example, and how and how Christians approach that. You know, there's a certain political side to it, but then there's the side of of faith where it's like, you know, it we do want people to to feel welcome in churches and people to feel like this is a place you can come freely. We don't really want to, as a church, stand like you know. <laughs> get out of here, you know, let, let's not ask for papers or anything at the church door. That's not really what the church is for. Um, I think that's just kind of, that's the other thing that just drives me insane when I go to church sometimes. It's just, I mean, I feel like the church as a whole puts its foot in its mouth. Yeah. And it's, it's, we're supposed to be showing grace Mm -hmm. and it's very, it's not graceful. Yeah. I'm just, I, but that's for next week's discussion. Yeah, I think that's it's, next week's discussion. Sorry, I just kind of went on a but rant this there. All, this all plays into it where you have, I mean, and this is where, like, I guarantee you some people are going to think that this is not just us being naive. And, Probably. But the reality is, is that, like, I, last night I was, I was teaching the third graders. Mm-hmm. Um, and the lesson for the week was Zacchaeus. Okay. And here you have this person that everybody hated. Everybody. Mm-hmm. He was the chief tax collector. He's a he's someone who, who just like he betrayed his kinsmen. Yeah. Just for doing the job they did, and he extorted them. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes Zacchaeus. And he wanted to meet God. He wanted to meet Christ. And he climbed the tree. We all know the song. Or at least mm-hmm. I hope we do. <laughs> we used to sing it in Sunday school all the time. But uh, And Jesus walked up to the tree, looked up, said, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. 
And what does the passage say in um, in Luke? People were shocked. Oh, yeah. Can you believe he's going to the sinner's house was mm-hmm. what they were saying. And, and just because of that one encounter, Zacchaeus had just this change. Yeah. This instantaneous change, according to the story. Yeah. Where he said he's going to pay back all everything that he's taken four times. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's going to he's gonna give half his possession support just because he had an encounter with God. Yeah. And and it's it and Jesus ends that passage with the whole the Son of Man came for the lost. Mm-hmm. And I I feel like the church is so much more like the crowd nowadays. Yeah. That millennials are just done with it. Yeah, and that's kind of a scary thing for me to process through. Um when when you begin to start to see churches around the world behave a whole lot like the Pharisees were back in Jesus' time. I don't doubt commitment to God. I don't doubt commitment to Jesus. I just think other things creep in as well, you know, and, and that mm-hmm. happens to all of us. That right. happens to all of us. Right. We just have to constantly ask ourselves, do do I have any problems? Mm-hmm. Is there anything I need to work on? God, help me to remain humble. Help me to to think about how Jesus would, would treat certain things. And I think most churches that millennials are drawn to are ones that aren't very pharisaical, uh, to use kind of a fancy word there, if that's even a real word, but I've heard it used before in that sense. Um, but, but also, too, you know, I think something that we value, as I've, we've talked about authenticity, I also think that millennials value so- solid Bible teaching because— you know, I see I see churches that are, are really successful with millennials and reaching millennials as being churches that are actually committed to expository preaching, which is kind of funny because, right, the whole emergent church movement was towards, like, these topical, like, fancy mm. messages. And now it's like, no, just teach me the passage from the Bible. They're, they're you know, millennials more impressed with someone who really knows, has knowledge, and understands the Bible um, and, and can learn from that more so than like, you know, eight ways in which you can better do this or that, or, you know, the, the 25 times love is used within the Bible and why that should make your life better uh, or whatever. And, and so I think that that's something too, that I think that's kind of the beginning of, of authenticity in the church is how does it come across in the pulpit? And that's a good place to start. You know, if, mm-hmm. if the pastor's trying, then that's a really good place to be. And it's kind of, it's, it's an uphill battle to mm-hmm. get everybody to buy into <laughs> to trying to be authentic. Cause, cause at the end of the day, um, no one really wants to, give any type of signal that they might not have it all together or they might not have it all figured out. And I think that that's kind of where, you know, you, you might have some rub with millennials is it's like, no, we know you don't have it all figured out. Everybody knows that, right? We, we've all lived. Um, and, and so I think that's where being genuine is really important. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think programs can struggle because programs without extreme intentionality, it can be hard to connect people because you can directly do something for them, but having a program where you get people involved with each other, I think is really important. And it's kind of, you know, that's kind of what I think home groups 
were aimed at doing and mm-hmm. still aimed at doing is connecting people in relationships. And some churches do that really well. Some churches don't. I think it just more depends on your community than anything. Mm-hmm. Um, however, another statistic that comes into reality with home groups is millennials don't own houses. Yes. And so where home groups become a challenge is like, who's going to host? No one's got a house. <laughs> You know? Right. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting because, I mean, going with programming. I mean, we try to. We, we. At least in my experience, it's always been a little showy. It's Why a production. Is that? It's 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 a production. I don't at, necessarily. At, at some. At, I don't. Maybe, but I've been, I mean, I've really enjoyed my experiences with home groups. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, maybe it's because I was the youngest person at my home group, and yeah, I don't know. You were pretty young. You were like, uh, like 18, 19, and probably the youngest one by like 20 years. <laughs> 20, 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, the couple home groups that you I've You were a different to, man back then. It, it's interesting, because like, the, the home groups that I enjoyed the most were with the with my peers because i mean that's just natural right and and for my favorite experiences was it was just a group of people getting together trying to either learn the bible or just pray together and just talk about what's going on in our lives and Mm -hmm. talking through that stuff yeah and nothing nothing complicated nothing super in like i mean we're talking like in depth in depth like yeah greek and hebrew of words and stuff like that no it was okay here's the passage of scripture what does it say mm-hmm. okay what does it mean and then just how do how can i take that meaning and apply it to my life yeah and and talking through things that are going on in our lives and praying about things together and just kind of getting kind of using it as like a quick like sit rep in the middle of the week yeah and just reconnecting with everybody knowing where everybody's standing and then leaving and keeping connected through because that's the one thing i will say is our generation always talks to each other Mm -hmm. we're always talking to each other yep i mean my close group of friends i'm talking to them constantly yeah you can ask cody he gets a ridiculous amount of Instagram memes, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's one way that we talk. We communicate with yeah. with memes, and we we share the things that we see funny. That we share the things that we see that are interesting, mm-hmm. and we're always communicating. And it's it's all I always enjoyed when I'd get together with people, and just in person, oh, yeah. and just and just connected that way. Yeah. And like when I go to church, and it's okay, we're going to come into this big room. We're all going to sit at different tables with people we might not actually know. Okay. We're going to listen to someone talk for a half an hour, and then we're going to leave. Yeah. And I've made no connection. I've no. I've made no meaningful connections, had no meaningful conversations, and had a, had something to- told to me that isn't, isn't directly connected to what I'm going through. Okay. And that's where the disconnect happens. Yeah. And that's where the community disconnect happens. Yeah. It's like, I'd, no, I'd rather get together around a table and talk about something. Yeah. And, and I think, too, as you're talking there, I, I don't want anyone to think that 
millennials only want to hang out with each other, though. No. I mean, Josh, you're a guy who I've seen hang out with people who are in different generations and admire people from, from older generations and everything like that since you were, like, young, young. And, and, and for myself as well, like, I really value... I really value, and I know you really value, when people of other generations try to find a way to relate with you. That means so much because it's like, wait a minute, this person really cares. And that is, that's important. Like I might, I might not be able to, you know, this person might not be able to embrace all the same things I do, but hey, they're trying. Mm -hmm. And that means a lot. Don't you think that means a lot? And that's where you get the, the, like that, that that kind of goes along with the whole discipleship, where someone yeah. who's older than you comes next to you and and kind of helps you feel your way through life. Yeah, and someone who is one or two steps ahead of you, one or two seasons ahead of you, one or two decades ahead of you, mm-hmm. who who's willing to take the time and kind of go through that process of learning and living in the context of Christ. Yeah. In the context of what does it mean to follow Christ? Yeah. Okay. Here's where I'm at now. You're 10 steps ahead of me. What has God shown you that I, I could take and use in my life? Right. And that's, I mean, that's the entire purpose of discipleship. Yeah. And that's something that I will say is, uh, I mean, I've been blessed with a lot of awesome men who have, especially when I was in high school, yeah, who were very good about just kind of being there. Mm-hmm. But I've never really had somebody that I could say older than me, like that I could say actually discipled me. Okay, I'm I'm gonna be honest, like I mean, intentionally, intentionally. Yeah discipled me okay and it's just it's one of those things where it's like well okay if nobody's gonna do it, i'm gonna do it i'm gonna figure it out on my own yeah well i um, remember when i was younger um i can't remember what it was i was like at a, a church retreat or something whoever the speaker was i just to think about it now like i remember he challenged us as like teenagers to find find somebody and ask them to disciple you and i remember thinking like oh man this, this is a good idea sure i'll do that but now that i think back on that as an adult i'm like that's really cool and i'm glad that i did that because i was discipled because of that but in reality like we should be seeking to do that as leaders as as adults you know and most importantly i'm a father right so my discipleship has to channel into my children and i think that that's where it's really important for and that's where i'm really concerned about millennials who are going to be having kids who have never been discipled themselves by parents or someone else and then they have no idea how to disciple their children doesn't mean that there's no hope because there still is but it's just man i'm thinking about all the work we're gonna have to do as a church and it's gonna be a whole lot you know it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it's gonna be a whole lot and i think that's where just a constant a constant initiative constant attempt 
and a constant desire to change and do things different is where you just really have to be as a church and you really we really have to be as the church in general it's because times are changing so fast and the way people do things are changing so fast that i'm not an old man i'm 28 years old and i like this stuff going on and i'm struggling to keep up i can only imagine what it's like for people of my parents age or even older generations where it's like it doesn't even feel like the same world to them anymore Mm-hmm. And so I understand it's hard, but at the same time, it's like, we got to keep trying, got to keep trying. And I think with effort, you will see, you'll see that millennials, I think are open to church, but you got to be open to them and stop communicating that it's this hopeless generation because it just gets out there over and over and over and over again. We've heard it so many times from so many angles. <laughs> it's like, we get it. Okay, we get it. We, we're, we're, we're tough. <laughs> right. But, but that's, I don't think that's how most millennials want to be. And what I will say, this is, this is actually my final point on millennials. We're getting close to an hour. And then I'll let Josh say his closing thoughts. Millennials are defined by a small population of very loud voices. Millennials are defined by a small population of very loud voices when it comes to what you hear on the internet and what you see on social media and all this stuff. Most millennials are not doing that. They go about their lives. They have their jobs. They have massive amounts of student loans. So they work themselves to death and, and they just want to make it just as much as the previous generation did. They want to value the things in life just as much as the previous generation did. And if the church embraces the ability to be the biggest help in that, what a beautiful thing it could be. Josh, any closing thoughts as we kind of wrap up here? I think the more intentional you are to reaching and looking for the millennials, the more you're going to find them and the more open you're going to find them than you ever thought they were. We are a generation that truly cares for other people mm-hmm. and we want to help other people. It's just, we're, we're kind of that in a spot right now where a lot of people in our generation are just feel disenfranchised to the point where they don't see the point Mm -hmm. and it's because they've kind of been put to off to the side Mm -hmm. and unless you're intentionally trying to reach out and you're trying to engage you're gonna lose them yeah and and i mean and that goes for us millennials who are listening yeah and the people and generations ahead of us and the the thing too that we that's important to talk about and we can talk about later is there's a generation after us that i mean generation z it's if if you think we're screwed up (laughs) they're they're completely different story yeah and um this is my last thought and i'm just 
looking at the generation that's coming up after us and, and working with them in youth ministry and children's ministry. It's we have we have people who are coming up that I mean even in our like you, you they they don't know how to use their Bibles. They don't they don't know how to pray. They can't remember a book they've read. It's crazy to me. It's nuts. <laughs> and and it's we millennials if if the millennials are going to end up becoming the leaders of the church they're not going to be equipped to teach and to lead the generations that come after them yeah and, and that needs to happen because i'm not trying to say anything about uh you know gen x for example but it's going to be way hard for gen x to relate to generation z because there's just a much bigger gap and it's only growing grow and growing by by the day so so this thing has to you know they the millennials have to rise up and they 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 have to lead in the church like like you've said and it just needs to happen and yeah. and with that we're going to close up here thank you all for listening to this episode it was all over the place mm-hmm. it was all over the place and we appreciate each and every person who's listened in we really would love to hear your feedback also thank you so much for all of the new facebook followers uh, we're, we're so thankful uh, for you you all following us and please continue to uh, listen in check out the posts on Facebook check out e43collective.com and what really would help us a lot is to share something that you enjoy spread through word of mouth and also if you can if you can get on iTunes or Spotify and give us a review that really helps us continue to get the word out there. So thank you so much for listening in. We hope that you all have a great week and a blessed day. Bye-bye for now. Mm-hmm.